Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s. From great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges and most importantly how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Get ready, it's time. Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck, is the most powerful voice in women's issues today. As the owner of Motherhood Incorporated, Sandra brings you inspiring, influential, and interesting resources to help you navigate everything from childcare to corporate formation. Each episode of Motherhood Talk Radio features guests who all have a story, experts in their field, and information you won't want to miss. We bring you everything from the latest crafting tips to how to be sexy in your 40s. From great parenting tips to moms facing some tough challenges and most importantly how to bounce back with style. Motherhood Talk Radio helps you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Being all you can be starts right here, right now. Let's do it. Here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey ladies, this is so exciting. Uh, Today on Motherhood Talk Radio, we've got an amazing guest today. She's so much fun. She's beautiful. She's vibrant. She's outstanding. She's Sharon Jameson, and I am so excited to have the show with you today. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. So thanks so much for the opportunity. So, you know, before we get into the meat of today's conversation, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, we're women. We like to know the dirt. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of dirt to tell, but let me just say this. Um, my name is Sharon Jamison. Today is my son's birthday. He's 23 years old. So happy birthday, Tarek. Want to say happy birthday to him. Um, but I'm a speaker, uh, business executive with a pharmaceutical company. I'm an author, I'm a mom, and I am a, a person who is a, uh, committed to helping people be their best selves, however they define that. So I'm, I'm really happy to be here and I'm excited about life and, and love and living. Well, and what's so amazing is, you know, we've got some moms here that listen that are still in the trenches. You know, this show specializes in women who choose to have their families a little bit later in life. They might have, you know, had an education um, experience. They might have had a first marriage. You know, these things that allow us to grow and develop. And I don't like to look like at my divorce or my, you know, starting my family later in life. I was 36 and 39 when I had my kids. Um, so I think it's important that we we represent, you know, kind of moms of all genres and moms of all because not all of us have babies at 18 and they're raised and out of the nest at 36. Some of us are just getting started. That's so true. I, I was see I was 28 when I had my son and uh, it was so funny that I, I could have waited. I thought that I was too young, honestly. Because I had I had finished corp- uh, my my graduate school, I was in corporate America, really loving my job, 
but my ex-husband was 12 years older and and it was really a hard decision because I never really felt that motherly instinct whatever that is whatever that um that feeling that most women had I never had it I really wanted to make a difference I wanted to um really excel and so motherhood which is interesting was not as easy for me as some women I had to really understand and cultivate that that sense because I was not a, a mommy mommy type of person and I want some women to know that I think sometimes we are uh, we are shamed because we don't feel that mommy mommy feeling but um it took me a little longer and, I, and I'm really happy that I did so now I'm over you know in my early 50s and I'm really happy that I can have a wonderful relationship with my son. Well, okay, I'm so glad you said that because I had two premature babies, okay? And they were in the NICU and there were the moms in there that were like, oh, the baby, 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 baby. And I would sit there and go, well, now what do we do? Like, I didn't have that. (laughs) I was, and I will, I'm going to tell you something that you're going to laugh at. When I went into labor, I packed up my computer bag. I packed up an extra mouse, a battery pack, all my cables. I got them all lined up and I went to the hospital. (laughs) And this is a true story. And the nurse looked at me and she goes, this is your maternity bag. And I'm like, well, you know, the baby's not due for two more months. So I figured I could work, you know, while we're, you're figuring out what's going on with me. I mean, that was really, that was really it for me. It wasn't, you know, like, oh, look, I bought myself a new bathrobe. You know, the lady who shared a room with me had more, more crap. Like, I'm not, not, not judging it, but, you know, I had my stuff. She had her stuff. And I was going, wow, I'm already failing motherhood. And the, the bun's not even out of the oven. Oh, God, I know that feeling. It's like when I had my son... I was never the girl who wanted to babysit people's kids, hated it. I'm, I was just not that type of mom. And so I took parenting classes because I didn't know how to change diapers and things like that. And and um, you would think I would know, but I, it's not always as, as natural for all women. You know, we all enter motherhood differently. And I was one of the mothers that I didn't have a stroller. I put my son in a backpack. I, you know, I didn't have a... Um, you know, one a mother's back. I didn't want to do any of that. I nursed my son, so I was um and I had a couple of things I threw in a backpack and I was gone. And so I think so many times I think uh women need to give themselves freedom to wear motherhood. I heard I heard this saying a long time ago, Sandra, that motherhood is like a dress and it will fit you based on the contours of your experience. And I think that's really important that people have to remember that motherhood looks different and it's, and it's okay. And we have to celebrate however motherhood looks for different women. And so I, that's why I really like your show because you really have that message that motherhood, it, 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 it might be the same job, but we're going to do it differently based on our whole, our life and how we wired. Well, and, you know, to take that one step further, and this is, you know, I, I have a background in marketing and branding and, and, you know, specific internet brand strategy is my background. And I started when the internet was at its infancy, we grew up together. And, but what I've seen is that the same pressures that women feel with body image translate over to the mommy image. It's like these advertisers and marketers for products, and I get it, we all need to make a living. And, you know, people need to buy and sell things. But there's this pressure that I felt, um, you know, thankfully, when I was young, I was a swimmer and an athlete. So I didn't have to worry about my body image as much as as other people did. But what 
kicked me in the ass was the mommy image because I didn't feel like the mommy image. I didn't fit the role. I didn't look like anybody in the pictures. These mommies were 20 years old with their cute jeans and their matching diaper bag and their boppy, bippy, blanky, whatever. (laughs) And I remember sitting with a bunch of 20-somethings, and this is no knock on the millennials, but they were reading all the baby magazines. Well, I wasn't reading the baby magazines. I was reading you know, nerd magazines. And so (laughs) I didn't have a clear picture of what mommyhood looked like at 36, 38, 40 with a newborn. And I didn't fit in those pictures. And it really did dig at me very similar than my millennials would say they'd look at these, you know, airbrushed body pictures of young women. And they're like, well, I can't look at that. I can't look like that. Well, you know what, Sharon, I couldn't look like those mommy pictures in the catalog. I didn't. Oh, gosh, you are saying something that is really resonating with me because I felt the same way. And and I and I felt a lot of pressure to to not be as ambitious. I felt shame because, you know, oh, Sharon, are you going to stay home? I'm like, no way, I'm not staying home. And then I felt shame the other way because I nursed my son for 13 months. So I was kind of like that dichotomy. I love the nursing. I love the mommy stuff, but I didn't love all that cooking, cleaning, playing. Gaga, Google hated that. And so I just kind of gave myself permission to make up some type of um, mommy paradigm that really fit my personality. Uh, In fact, when my son was in um, first grade, I traveled so much with my job. I said, you know what? I can't. It's and I had gotten divorced by then. And I said, you know what? This school thing is really messing up my life. I'm taking you out of school. You got to travel with me and I'm a homeschool. And people like, oh, my God, who does that? I felt like who does that is a woman who understands who she is and is not going to be limited by the definition of motherhood of society. And my son loved it. He, you know, I homeschooled him. I kept him out of school, you know, for a year. We went back. And so I just kind of gave myself permission to experiment. And now when I look at him, he's a person who's so loving, not into uh, rules. He lets people be who they are um, and, you know, open to different faiths, different sexualities, different. He's not into ageism or anything like that because he saw it all. Everybody raised him. He was like a village kid. And so uh, but it was really hard because I I got a a lot of shaming from um, from both sides. The the younger mothers felt that I was not I, I was too. I had too many rules, but then the older mothers, because I was right in the middle of, of the, that middle group, felt like I was not mothering enough. So I really celebrate what you're doing, what you did by just saying, you know what, I'm just going to be who I am and make it up along the way. And we both survive. <laughs> well, and, you know, and, um, you know, Sharon, I had I had got divorced when my kids were three months and two and a half years old. And, wow. you know, I work in tech, so I didn't fit with the I ran my own company. I, you know, can you imagine having these two babies getting a divorce? My mom's passing away from breast cancer and I go, hey, I'm going to start a company in the middle of all this. Wow. But I did that because I needed the freedom. Yeah. Um, I needed income. I needed the freedom. Like I had these children to spend time with them. I wasn't, and I'm not knocking people who choose daycare, but for me, that wasn't what I wanted. I didn't wait this long in life to have this parenting experience to just kind of put my kid with different caregivers. Now I did have an in-house caregiver, but 
I, I didn't fit in the stay-at-home moms. I didn't fit with the full-time working moms. And then like you, I would just pack up my kids and go. If I was working in Hawaii, off we'd go. And, <laughs> you know, we're going to talk about some of these different parenting things because I want to honor all types of parents. I'm not saying any one good thing is better than any one bad thing. It's not about good or bad. It's about what's right for you. Uh, we're visiting today with Sharon Jamison, and we will be back after the break with more validation that parenting comes in all different shapes and sizes and a beautiful rainbow of colors. We'll be back after the break. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. Got my dreams, got my life, got my love. Got my friends, got the sunshine above. Why am I making this hard on myself when there's so many beautiful reasons I have to be happy? It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. To lose weight, we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating, and exercise burns more calories. According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. One hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same, but if that 150-pound person takes a one-hour brisk walk, then say goodbye to more than 250 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body. Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. It's Marching you hear about Wesley, the golden retriever puppy from Michigan that was fitted with braces? Before you think this is a bonafide insanity, Wesley was born with teeth that were so crooked he couldn't shut his mouth all the way. This was affecting his ability to eat properly. So his owners took him to the Harborfront Hospital for Animals and Veterinary Dental Solutions, where a doggy orthodontist prescribed him a set of braces. And now, pictures of Wesley smiling with his bright, shiny braces have been circling the Internet. With all that metal wrapped around their teeth, some would think that most dogs would become bruxomaniacs, but not Wesley. He doesn't mind the braces at all and is now able to eat his food with gusto. A bruxomaniac? Maniac is someone with an uncontrollable urge to grind their teeth. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck, bringing you interesting, influential, 
and inspiring guests every week, helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Let's get back to the show. Here's Sandra Beck. Hey, ladies, we are here today with Sharon Jamison, and you can find her at SharonJamison.com, which is S-H-R-R-O-N-J-A-M-I-S-O-N.com. It's always fun to look up people when you listen to them. And we're talking today about different trends, different styles, different methods of mothering. And really today's show is about validating the differences in women. One of the things that I found uh, when I was younger, I was kind of kicked out of corporate America because the real estate market changed. And uh, at that same time, my mom passed away from breast cancer. I got divorced and I raised my uh, three-month-old and my two-and-a-half-year-old as a soul-supporting mother. Now, that's a big mouthful. But what that translated to for me was that I didn't fit in anywhere. There were little classes like preschool classes and playtime, play, play, what do you call those play date things that my, <laughs> I know my kids would go to these things and I could not just go sit there and you know, kibitz with the other mothers. I would be there working in the corner on my computer or when we had peewee soccer and, and pony baseball and all these things, I was the mom there doing programming, working on my computer. And I actually got a lawn chair with a table, you know, <laughs> the whole thing so that I could be as present as I could be as a single parent with my kids. But the result um, was really difficult for me, Sharon, because I wasn't a stay-at-home mom, but I stayed at home. I wasn't a full-time working mom, but I worked full-time. And I traveled. So my kids would get packed up like luggage, and they'd go to Hawaii if I was working in Hawaii. Or they'd go to New York if I'm working in New York. And they were, I used to call them my wash and wear kids because one of these moms came in, she was horrified. Um, and this is like my therapy hour. So I just have to bear with me, but (laughs) I was out walking with my kids one day and they were, I don't know, five or seven, eight, somewhere like that. And I met up with a bunch of moms who were also walking with their kids and they were talking about Disneyland. Well, my kids had not been to Disneyland. And one of the moms was like, Oh my God, you live in California. You know, you can get these family passes and we go every weekend and la, 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 la. and I just sat there going, oh my God, I'm going to knock your fake teeth into your fake boobs if you don't <laughs> shut up. Because it was so insulting that because my kids hadn't been to Disneyland and I I, I didn't say anything at the time because I'm, I'm a big mouth on the radio, but in person, I'm really quite quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids had been to Montreal. My kids had been to Hawaii. My kids had been to Dallas, to New York City. They'd been you know, up in the Empire State Building. We'd been across the St. Louis Arch, but we hadn't been to Disneyland. And that was like a perfect example of like where I didn't fit anywhere. And did you ever have experiences like that? Oh, my God. I had that is like the story of my life. And I believe that paradigms are prisons. I always tell people that paradigms are prisons. And I felt that way because I, like I said, like you, I was uh, after I got divorced, we had to make it happen. And so I was always a, a, a parallel entrepreneur. Um, so I had a job and a, and a business. And and um, and I always felt that people made judgments because, you know, if we ran out of clothes, we might get some new socks on the way to school at Walgreens or something, <laughs> or, or we would eat out every day, or I would pick up, a, you know, a, a meal at Publix. I didn't, I didn't have groceries. I, I mean, there was no time. And um, 
so I, 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 you got these people who would try to judge me and to, to as if their parenting style were better because they were both traditions. But to me, traditions are pretty are traps, and I don't, I, I and it was just too, I couldn't play in that in that in that space with them. And and they would make little comments like, "Oh, Sharon, you know, it's something is happening at school. You just can bring the cups and the ice like it was a put down." So I always felt like my contributions were less than the other mothers. But I was very present in, diff- in different ways. Um, I was always like my son's basketball coach. So, however, I would get off a plane, so I might be outside. We lived in Florida in 90 degrees with a suit because I just came from a meeting, but I was there. But then I would get criticized for being there in a suit. So so it's like I, I never, I always felt like I was not enough or too much but uh, uh, of something. So it, it, yes, I really felt that. And, and afterwards, my son felt like he had to defend me. Don't talk about my mom. And I said, Tariq, don't even worry about it. I said, you know, the way we live is fun. And so afterwards, he just started realizing that that he was blessed because he didn't have all these rules. And the reason why he didn't have rules is because I couldn't keep up with the rules. <laughs> well, you couldn't. You I couldn't. couldn't. I couldn't keep up with the punishments. I couldn't keep up with the rules. Our life was too uh, um, uh, unscheduled, so we couldn't have, like, scheduled bedtimes. You know, when we were tired, we went to bed. It was just no way that I could live in a box because my life would not allow allow it. And uh, so it was really difficult. So I, But I'm so happy that I found my voice in my early 30s to say, you know what, I don't care how, you know, I don't care um, how you feel. you know, I'm going to do it my way. But I have to say, Sandra, it was very isolating. I really felt alone all of the time. And I felt misunderstood all of the time. Oh. So it was a lonely existence. It really was. I, I'm going to tell you something that I think will make you laugh at all. I think it'll make you cry, too, because it always makes me cry. But <laughs> all right, since I work in tech, most of the time, my tech uniform, Sharon, is a ponytail, a T-shirt, and either jeans, sweatpants, or shorts, okay? Because I'm not going anywhere. And so <laughs> I don't need all this corporate stuff. But one of the things that I did moonlighting to do is that I would do appearances, I would do speaking engagements, and sometimes they would take pictures of me, not naked ones, just regular pictures of me, (laughs) because God blessed me with a face that photographs well. So I got an opportunity to do a photo shoot for 30-something moms to sell purses, and it was paying like, I don't know, some crazy amount, like $2,500 for the day. Well, that goes a long way when you're a single mom. So I get in my minivan, I haul ass down to downtown Los Angeles. They do my hair and my makeup. And it was big old 80s hair. It was giant. It had like its own <laughs> zip code. And, you know, they painted all this stuff on my face. I mean, I looked good. I mean, but I looked like I needed to be for this this photo shoot. And they dressed me up. And then it took longer than I thought. And then I'm like, guys, look. I got to go. I got to pick up my kid. I've called every parent I know. Nobody can pick him up. Are we done? Are we done? Are we done? And I said, I'll mail the clothes back. And they're like, don't worry. Just keep them. Just keep them. Just go. Like, the, you know, the guy was like, go, girlfriend, go. You just go get your boy. Go, go, go. So I hop in the car and I run back and I show up in the front of the school area at the elementary school where all the moms are. Well, okay. Normally they see me in a ponytail and, and shorts and a t-shirt. Well, I show up. Do you know, Sharon, that I walked by four of the moms that I knew because they were in my kids' class? 
they did not recognize me. They looked wow. at me like, and they looked at me like, oh my God, who is this freak? Who is she thinking that she's all that? And I, so I strutted around a little bit because it was kind of fun. <laughs> and then my kids come up and they're like, mommy, what did you do? And I said, well, I had to do a photo shoot today. So they kind of dressed me up and did this stuff. Do you know, they criticized me for being sloppy. Then they criticized me for being overdressed. It's like, I cannot do anything right with you people. And, you know, for the moms out there that are not single moms, you got to make it up as you go along many days. So if you get your socks at Walgreens, you know what? If your kid wears the same T-shirt twice in a row, the world does not fall apart. But these things happen. I couldn't keep up with the laundry. And there were times when my kids would wear like a winter shirt instead of a summer shirt because it's all we got, baby. You're either wearing <laughs> yesterday's clothes or you're wearing something or pants that didn't fit perfectly. And I'm not saying that, you know, we're train wrecks or anything, but but when you're a single parent raising children, something's got to give. And that can be cooking, that can be cleaning, that can be laundry. And you know what? Nobody ever died because they wore the same clothes two days in a row. That is so funny. I taught my son that a, a, that a, clean, that a, a pair of socks meant that two socks were clean so they didn't i told him it didn't matter if it didn't matter if it was a footy and a knee sock if they are if they're both clean that's a match and so so for now he still wears mismatch socks and people like Tariq, your socks are match and to him it does not even register that it's wrong and that's one of the things i really really enjoy about him that he didn't have all these rules uh, like, you know, we ate cereal for dinner because that's all we had. And we didn't care. We did homework in the bed. My son knew how to do PowerPoint. And when I had <laughs> night me um, meetings, I would take him with me to the restaurant and just dress him up with a uh, um, with a tie on and put him at a, a separate table. He got a table all by himself. And I told him because he was really, really important. And I, I would order him a shrimp plate and he can act like he was a king. And I would do that. Because I had no choice. What was I going to do? And so my son was like, you know, five, six years old, eating lobster and shrimp and, you know, drinking Sprite out of a wine glass. And he thought it was wonderful. And uh, only people who condemned me were uh, honestly the other women. Some of the other men um, at that uh, were at the meetings really applauded me. But I, it was so interesting that I think many times oppressed people become the worst oppressors. And I think that so many women, because we deal with sexism, that's something in us that um, because we are so judged, we are prone to judge others, you know? It is absolutely so true. You know, my kids can behave in a law office. My kids can behave in these things because they've learned how to do this at a young age. And it's good for them. And these experiences enrich them. And if we can all get together and enjoy the richness of our lives, you know, we can really we can really make the world a nice place. But yeah, sometimes, you know, there's unhappy people that are going to judge you no matter what you do. And so that's why today's episode exists to validate some of these alternative forms of parenting, because like you, my kid told his first grade teacher, she needed more me time. She's not taking good care of herself. And if she doesn't, she's not going to be a very effective teacher. Now, where did he learn that? He listened to mom on the radio, telling other moms. <laughs> he went to speaking engagements, heard me tell again and again, if you don't take care of your yourself you cannot take care of your family so that little peanut told his teacher she needed to take better care of himself and herself and you know what 
he was right. So I'm going to share that with all of you. Take better care of yourself. We'll be back after the break with Sharon Jamison and Sandra Beck. This is Motherhood Talk Radio. We'll be back in a few minutes. Listen as your day unfolds. Challenge what the future holds. Try and keep your head up to the sky. Lovers, they may Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. Do you ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room, a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We're saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. can burn as many calories in 45 minutes of yard work as in 30 minutes of aerobics. Yard work is a total body workout consisting of pushing, pulling, lifting, and carrying. Using a push mower alone can burn 300 to 500 calories in an hour. Raking and bagging with a pooking fork, that's a fork often used in gardening, burns about 330 calories per hour. Cleaning and digging with the dibble, that little hand spade, can burn approximately 400 calories an hour. Stay fit by horb-gorbling. That's just puttering around the yard. To me, a perfect summer day is when the sun is shining, the birds are singing, and the lawnmower is broken. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck, bringing you interesting, influential, and inspiring guests every week, helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Let's get back to the show. Here's Sandra Beck. Hey, mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Sharon Jamison. Now, I just want to put a disclaimer out. I know we've been kind of bagging on some of the other moms, and it's not our intention to, it's our intention to not only validate our single moms, but also let our traditional married moms know kind of where we're coming from. Because if we were sitting at the next table in a restaurant, um, and you heard the two of us, me and Sharon, talking, you might come away with a different awareness of how 
how to get along and be friends with uh, somebody who's having these, you know, challenges as a single parent. And I will say that I have two or three in my core girls. They are happily long-term married and they will lend me a husband to, to bring a bed upstairs and they'll lend <laughs> me a husband to help me hold the thing while we fix the pool equipment. Um, so I, I very much value my married girlfriends and I, I value their families. I just have come to the conclusion that I have to value my own, even though it looks different than the pictures in the baby catalogs. And one of the things that I want to share with the listeners today is for a while there, Sharon, I felt bad for my kids. I felt bad that, you know, they're like five years old and doing laundry and six years old and they can't, we can't go to BJ's like the rest of the families after soccer because it's too much money, but we'll go to Taco Bell or we'll go home, you know, and, and have fun. Um, but what I realized um, with the help of one of my really good friends who's a therapist, she said to me something really simple. She said, you know, Sandra, all kids need to learn this at some point in your life. And how wonderful it is that your kids learn this young so that when they grow up, it becomes automatic and innate and there's no struggle. And I thought, oh. And I look at some of my kids, um, you know, I do a lot of work in children's charities and I do a lot of work with, with um, children's programs. And I see my kids in the children's charities program, um, you know, they struggle. They have so much more responsibility. They have all these little weights on their shoulders. But when I watch them grow up and I've watched some of these kids go from five or six years old to now they're in college, now they're running, you know, the AMPM, they, they've got their jobs, they've got their life together. And then I look at some of my peers' kids who have never had to throw in a load of laundry in their life, and the minute they get out, they're like throwing baby ducks on the freeway. I mean, they don't have <laughs> And I thought, you know, somewhere in between, you know, the wily coyote on the side of the road and the baby ducks in the middle of the freeway, like somewhere in the middle is this, you know, this happy medium. But when I thought of it that way, I thought, you know what, you're right, I'm preparing my kids. And yeah, do they get the blissful childhood with no responsibility? Well, you know what? that may not be the greatest bliss when you're 19 years old and you don't know how to write a check. You don't know how to fold a piece of laundry. And then what kind of husband, like my ex-husband left, my ex-husband left me for someone else, walked out and that took a big ding in my self-esteem. But once I got over the hurt, Sharon, I thought to myself, what did I really lose? I lost somebody who never grew up, who was a baby duck on a freeway. And I, I, don't have to take care of you anymore. And I really looked at my sons and thought, you know what? You guys are not going to be baby ducks on the freeway at 19. You guys are going to be capable men who can live the life they want and take care of your woman or your man, if that's your preference. You know, take care of your dog, take care of your children. You know, these are things, fundamental things that we teach our children as single mothers that I think can get put off in more traditional families. Oh, my God. I, I agree with you. I, one of my mentors told me this saying, and I'd never forgotten it. Um, she said that uh, adversity, that, that lessons are only learned at the university of adversity, never at the college of convenience. And that really stuck with me because I think that bec just like your experience, because it was was um, 
some it was some adversity that my son grew very very responsible because when you're a single mom the lines you're not you can't be mother child everybody has a role everybody's on the team and everybody has to contribute and and i i really think that that's helpful because at a young age i had to tell my son and show my son why he could not do some of the things that the other kids did it was and since he knew matt Math, it was easy to teach him accounting. At five or six years old, he started learning about money. He understood that, you know, five plus three equal, you know, we only got $8. And what does that mean? And I think it made him really responsible. He was, he's always been very cost conscious. And then when um, I, maybe like 12 years old, I turned the household over to him. I said, listen, you write all the bills out so you can see how much things cost. And I would just sign the checks and he would mail them and everything. And it made him not want all the you know the $300 tennis shoes and the $400 trips that he did get nice stuff however it made him more conscientious of the value of a dollar because he saw how hard I had to work and what that money meant um I, I let him go to the financial investor with me and so he grew up understanding that money just doesn't appear in the ATM and that you have to um, be be responsible and manage. And so when he went to college, I never had any of those problems. Even when he got credit cards, he knew how to handle money. He knew how to handle responsibility. Um, he always had pets that he had to take care of because I wasn't going to do it. I mean, I, would, I didn't even feed him. You know, of course I couldn't feed a dog. And it was really, really uh, important for us to develop balance. Now, it took a while. And I think the hardest thing sometimes for um, people to understand that it was hard to date because when you're trying to date, the when you are a single mom, the lines are so blurred. Sometimes, you know, a potential partner didn't see their role, and then my son was so well, let somebody know you can't take my role. I'm the, I'm the other head of the house. <laughs> so, it, you know, um, I'm really I was really happy about it, and I don't have any regrets at all about how I raised my son and. It was hard. It was isolating. It was difficult. Many times it was lonely. But when I see the young man that he is, every sacrifice was worth it. Well, and I, you know, I took a, a lot of hits in um, in custody court a couple years ago um, when some things uh, affected my ex-husband and his current wife. And one of the things that we all had to go, we had to go for one of these examinations where the psychologist talks to everybody. And uh, he said to me, you don't date. And I said, well, I do date. I said, I just don't bring my dates home. I don't bring my dates to soccer games. I don't bring people in and out of my life. Yes, I do date, but I do it privately and discreetly. And he said, well, but what are you teaching your children about relationships? I said, their children and my children learn enough about the new father, the blended siblings, all those, you know, dramas that go over there. And I'm not judging them. I'm not criticizing them, but I don't want to have the drama that goes along with a blended family as the sole supporter of this family. Financially, I can't afford a broken heart. 
I cannot afford a second marriage and divorce, and I can't afford the time to manage someone else's children. I can only do my own. And he looked at me like I had a horn growing out of my head. (laughs) And then he said to me, well, you realize you're very different. And he said, you know, you might be doing your disservice, you know, for not having your children see you, you know, date or blend a family. And, you know, I looked back at him and I said, you know, he's a a PhD, a doctor. I said, well, doctor, I said, the funny thing is, if more people made my choice, you'd be out of business. Ooh, good one. So true. So Because, you know, there's time for me to date. There's time for me to do these things. You know, I'm not some wilting lily that's going to lose its value, you know, and the petals are going to fall off next week. I have a job to do. I have things to do that I need to take care of. And if that means that, you know, on a Friday night, sometimes I'm lonely, so be it. It's not the end of the world, but boy, it's a whole lot less drama. And I don't like to do drama. Oh, my God. I It is so I, I agree with you. And our kids are so just single moms. And I think probably for all moms, but but our kids are so sensitive to to our to what's going on with us. Our kids are so perceptive. So I, I wouldn't want to bring drama because I'm, a, I'm an empath and it would show up. So and, and then my son, again, is a Pisces. He would just know stuff. So I just didn't want to do that to him. I felt like it, it was already enough. Um, that instability was enough difference that our lives were so different that I wanted him to have one consistent person, one consistent, uh, one constant in his life, and that was me. And um, it, I really, really enjoyed it because sometimes the only times that I did get by myself when he went to, to his friend's house or his dad's house was when I was by myself. And you know what, Sarah? I wanted to be by myself. <laughs> I wanted to be by myself because that was the only time. Because absolutely, honestly, yeah. Because and, and because honestly, my son, we were so close because we kept traveling so much. I, he probably didn't stop sleeping in the bed till maybe like um, maybe seven years old because we moved. You know, I was traveling and he, it was a lot of instability. So that's the only thing that made him feel stable. And so I used to get a lot of flack from that. But I'm saying. I told people I have to do what's best for us. And we were moving we were in this hotel. I covered four states. We were on the road every week. And that in that scape, that was his anchor. And so, you know what? That was hard to explain. But I just got to the point where when, when he's when he's ready, he'll, he'll get out the bed. And so I just didn't let society tell me what that happened. But I didn't. But however, I didn't share it because I was so scared to that I was already getting judged enough, but uh, I, I don't regret any of it. And and today, like I said, I'm so proud to see the person that he is. And, and I was scary. I was making it up along the way. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> well, you do. You do the best. I never kicked my kids out of bed either. And you know what? Parents sleep together. Husbands and wives sleep together in the same bed. So why is it some big deal when a kid comes in and sleeps with a mom or sleeps with a dad? I mean, it's it's stupid. If the kid needs it, let them have it. Because eventually they're going to get up one day and go, you know what? I don't want to be here anymore. I'm my own person. And we're all better for it, you know, without pushing. It's like taking your diaper off. My kids took their diaper off when they were ready. I didn't, you know, force them to potty train. And you know what? They're fine. They're 
10 and 13 and they're not wearing diapers and they're not sleeping with me. So, you know, put that in your pipe and smoke it. So we're going to come back after the break and we're going to talk a little bit more about some of these parenting choices and how, you know what, the world does not fall apart because your 10 year old comes in at night with a tummy ache and you're too tired to get up. So you let them sleep with you. Guess what? We're all fine in the morning. Stay with us. There's lots more great conversation to come on Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck right after these messages. I am beautiful, no matter what they say. Words can't bring me down. I am beautiful in every single way. Yes, words can't bring me Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. a book titled The Art of Doing Nothing by Veronica Vienne in our guest room by the bed. I'm telling you, this book is an impossible challenge. In the state of Maine, it's said that someone who bottoms chairs for a living is lazy, presumably because one's bottom is perpetually in the chair. To sozzle means to laze around or perform a task in a sloppy way. The word is mainly found in New England. A quote from 1848 describes the term as used by housekeepers in certain parts of Connecticut to refer to a lazy person. Other words for lazy people are abbey lubbers, scabberlatchers, and slaughter pooches. To me, the ultimate love lolly is someone who is too lazy to even fake like they're working. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Motherhood Talk Radio with Sandra Beck, bringing you interesting, influential, and inspiring guests every week, helping you make a difference in your world and the world around us. Let's get back to the show. Here's Sandra Beck. Hey, mamas, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Sharon Jameson, and we are talking about accepting alternative parenting styles that do not cause a nuclear holocaust, because that's kind of 
what you feel like or people make you feel like. I know people can't make you feel like anything, but I can tell you reading a bunch of parenting magazines, getting on the internet, um, looking for advice and information can make you feel about two inches tall and the next mistake you make will cause your you know family to fall into a black hole and that's the end of it. But the reality is, is that especially as single parents, um, getting advice can be really hard. And one of the things, Sharon, that happened to me, which is really, I think, a funny story is, you know, I was struggling with a lot of these parenting decisions and my mom was sick and dying from cancer. And I really didn't have a peer parent that I could go to, you know, a parent that I could call up and ask a question. And because I spent most of my time in tech and I am a tech person and we're kind of emotionally stunted on a good day, um, <laughs> we weren't getting, I wasn't getting a lot of information. So I started like cruising the internet, reading these books and it got really confusing and I think when you're a single parent and you don't have another parent to bounce it off or maybe your other parent is like if they're in the military they could be on deployment if they're a very reticent person or you don't have a good marriage maybe there's not communication so I think it's not just single parents that fall into this category I think a lot of people fall in and then we look at this stuff on the internet and you know some of it is just so <laughs> dumb like it's dumb it's wrong and just because you have a phd and you did seven thousand hours of research with seven thousand other single parents doesn't mean that that solution is going to be for me but then like when you're already feeling at a disadvantage it's hard to have confidence to make these decisions and what i did was like it was so funny sharon this is like the gift from god my ex-husband and his new wife was having problems with one of my sons. And of course, the ex-husband, the new wife said it was all parental alienation. It was all my fault. <laughs> so they call me up and they say, we'd like you to go to counseling with us. And I'm like, oh, great. So yeah, I went, you know, and I went and I showed up at the counselor's office and there's my ex-husband and there's his new wife. And there's our two children, my two children with him and then her children from her husband. And I'm like, oh my God, it's like the Brady bunch, but, but not. <laughs> and I'm like the angry bunch. And <laughs> My ex-husband storms out, the, the 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 girlfriend who was the girlfriend at the time, I think not the wife, I can't remember which one, but she storms out and then the kids leave and the kids are crying and then my two kids stay with Murray, her two kids go with her. And I looked at the therapist and I said, what the hell just happened? <laughs> and she's like, oh, she goes, I've got so much to teach you. Well, eight years later, I visit her every Thursday night and then she moves. So we have a seven o'clock Thursday night standing phone call. And she has become my go-to parenting expert where I can talk to her privately. I can tell her my fears and concerns. She's a grandma. She's raised her kids. Her kids turned out fine. You know, she's also a therapist, so she's got lots of good ideas. But I had to find somebody that I could go to every week like you would a husband or a parent or a best friend who had already raised their kids or a sibling. Well, I didn't have those things. I didn't have anybody I could go to, but I found one of all places, that terrible therapy session that was supposed <laughs> to fix everything. They never went back to her. I'm still going. I mean, how funny is that? How funny. I agree with you. I think that the saying that you never become your best self by yourself and none of us can do life alone. And I have had all types. I have always raised myself, my son as a village. I had no choice, uh, especially at, there was a one 
part in our life when I was growing up that I had uh, suffered from really, really bad depression. And my son thought that our mother stand in bed and drink Diet Coke. And uh, <laughs> so that's what he thought. So he would come up and, and he thought nothing of it. That's why I just love him. He'll come, he'll get his homework and bring my computer and go get me some Diet Coke. And we'll get in the bed and we were both drinking Diet Cokes. I didn't even think anything of it. I was so depressed. And we just functioned that way until somebody said, Sharon, this is not normal, get help. But however, kids are so resilient. And, um, and, and I had so many fears and concerns because I felt so isolated and judged that I could not, I felt too scared to go get some support. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, but then after I got support and started talking about it, I started letting the, my, I call my village just help me out until I kind of uh, came out of it. But yeah, I always have had to have somebody to to give me to to be that peer parent, and I'm very non-traditional, and so I have um, my some of my friends are straight, some of my friends are gay. I'm very all inclusive. I took my son to gay pride. I take him to church. My ex-husband takes him to the mosque. So um, my and I let my son, um, you know, really experience all different type of religions, and you know, and again, I got a lot of pushback from that. But I just think that you have to get knowledge and wisdom wherever it resonates from you, with you. And I just allow myself to to listen to people who are different and see what felt right to to my spirit. And that's what I did. Because I left home so so young. I left home when I was 16 and both of my parents were teenage parents. And I grew up in not the best situations. So it's not like I had anything to go back to refer to. So I just kind of made it up and I read the books, but I didn't see myself in any of the books. I didn't see myself as I didn't see any books that really spoke to me as being an African-American corporate executive woman, you know, who worked out and all the other <laughs> very married to a Muslim, but was a Christian minister. I didn't see any of that. Nothing fit. So I was going to make it up. And I'm I, and but I'm like you. I need it. I have a couple of people that advise me because sometimes I'm so anti-rules that I go too far the other way. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. And it's, well, it's, I just, I more give up. And I have to tell you, I did my Diet Coke depression too. I think that's like a right of single parenthood. Because <laughs> um, if you're not going to choose alcohol, you choose like Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi because you don't want to get fat in case you meet someone. So you're not going to like, you know, but the whole, yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, you know, and I did, I married a Jewish man. I, I'm a, I'm a Christian woman. And, but I came from a family of German people and Polish people who never got divorced. I don't care if you beat the crap out of each other, you stayed married forever so but I didn't fit in any of those books either and as a tech nerd you know I I didn't I just didn't I didn't understand I didn't I didn't I couldn't figure it out and I think there's a point as a single parent that you go through like you know it's like I call them my dark days the dark days where I'm like I was judging myself I didn't know what I was doing I was and I was very shut down you know and I didn't I didn't ask for help because I didn't even know what I needed. And that was the one thing that the therapist said to me, um, you know, the one that I still go to. And she's like, okay, make a list of what you need. And I was like, oh, well, I need a manicure, as selfish as that sounds. Then <laughs> she's like, well, who can watch your kids while you go to get a manicure? And I'm like, I haven't had a manicure in like, I don't know, four years at that point because I'm working in tech. You don't use your fingers all pretty. Um but I didn't know what to ask for. And then she said to me, 
here's some things that you might ask for. So next time somebody says to you, and this, my friend Carrie did this. My friend Carrie said to me, Sandra, is there anything I can do to help you? She's like, look, my husband's working all day. My kids are older and in school. What can I help you with? And I, she, I had my little list of paper that we made in the therapist's office. And <laughs> I said, would you help me with the laundry? I'm so behind. She comes over in her minivan. We brought the towels, the sheets, the clothes, the the rags in the bathroom or the, you know, in the kitchen, you know, my cleaning rags and stuff like that. All that stuff went into laundry baskets and garbage bags. The two of us drove to the laundromat. We stuffed everything in. We had lunch across the way, laughed, had a great time. Then we folded everything up. We drove home and she helped me make the beds. Do you know she got helped me get my whole house in order and I had lunch and I had a great time doing it. And she felt wonderful helping me as her friend. Like oh. everybody won in that. But I'm telling you, I was too ashamed. I would have never asked for somebody to help me with my laundry. Oh, my God. That and You know what? And, and that was the thing to me. I hid in my house because that's the first thing that went was the house. And so I, I was so embarrassed. Um, yep. But after, even now, I still have to clean up before the cleaning lady comes because it's such a mess. Because again, I work three, four jobs, and I, and in, and, and I want to do it. So it's not like I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I have to. I just enjoy doing everything except for cleaning. So, so, um, so yeah, I, I, I really had to ask people. I used to ask people to to fix me dinner, fix us dinner, and put it in a Tupperware. That's what I really needed because I, I got tired of eating out. And, then, yep, and yep. also, it was so funny. My son had to be like four years old. He went to go see my parents. And my mother was making scrambled eggs. And I and I and at that time, I was really into fitness, and we only ate um, uh, egg whites. And he said, Nana, what is that? And she said, eggs. <laughs> he said, eggs? I want some eggs. So now he used to say, Mommy, can I have some yellow eggs? So he didn't know that. <laughs> He didn't know he he didn't know that he um that eggs were yellow. He didn't know about bacon. He didn't know about oatmeal and grits. And he was like, "Wow!" And that's the first time he realized that I realized that our lives were very different. Yeah, you yeah. know. But I so I started asking people, "Can you help me get groceries?" Was really hard. Help me with the food. Just help me with everything else because I love doing homework. I was the mother who loved doing projects. I love doing the coaching thing. But it's like. All the other stuff I just didn't have energy for, you know? Well, you can't. You're not two people. Here's the thing. You're not two people. You're one person, so you pick and choose. So if your four-year-old wants Thai food for his birthday because that's all he knows, that happened with me, then you just go with it, and it is okay. You know, it is okay to have yellow eggs and white eggs. You know, all of these things seem so so dramatic and so so like oh my god what am i doing at the time because it doesn't fit the view of the catalogs of the magazines of the television shows that we see but this is a new millennium girls this is a new way of doing things and sharon jameson thank you for being my guest today thank you for sharing so openly so that we as women can rejoice in the diversity that is us as mothers and that's it girls we'll be back again next week motherhood talk radio we'll be back again next week with another great episode
Thanks for being with us today on Motherhood Talk Radio, starring Sandra Beck. Motherhood 